One of the things that hurts us in our Christian life, more than any other, I believe, is, is fear. Fear. One man made a statement during the Second World War that um, the greatest fear is just fearing fear. It's fear itself. Do you realize that we are afraid to be afraid? We're afraid to be afraid. And uh, we're afraid that sometimes God may not come through like we think, or we misread him, and we trusted him to do something that he didn't promise to do. That's scary. Uh, there's been times when I have stepped out by faith on a limb, believing that this is what God wanted me to do, but I have no visible evidence. And so sometimes because of my, I guess, I don't know if it was being hard-headed, no, that wouldn't be that. Uh, arrogant? No, that wouldn't be that. Stubborn? No, not stubborn. Willful? Well, you know, it's hard sometimes to put your finger on it, but there's something inside of you that says, how do you know positively this is the will of God and you can safely trust in it? Because sometimes, you know, God doesn't tell us all the little details. And so it seemed like it would be so neat if God would just open up my little brain and pour in here all of his knowledge and wisdom so then I could make the right decision. Lord, if I only knew. But we have to learn on the run while we're doing it. It's like, you know, two young couples, they get married, and they haven't got a clue how to raise kids, and here they are. And you got to learn as you go. And you think, by the 10th one, I could do a better job. I had an uncle and an aunt. My uncle's son, we called him Uncle Son. He had 12 kids. The last three or four, they didn't care what they did. They really didn't care. They just let the rest of the kids raise those kids, and it didn't matter to them. You know, after a while, you didn't had enough, and just about give up. And you come to the conclusion, it doesn't matter what I say or do. They're going to do whatever they want. So you just kind of hang it up, and kids, you're on your own. <laughs> oh, well, they feed them and clothe them, things like that, but it gets difficult sometimes. We don't have it all together. But I do want you to take your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy and chapter 1. 2 Timothy and chapter 1. I want you to see a verse there that will help you. And look in verse 7. Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God did not give us the spirit of fear. But we do have an element of fear that kind of grips us at times. You may be very well today, but you know if the doctor told you tomorrow you got cancer, it won't matter how much you know about the Lord, you're still going to have an element of fear. Because you know that it just brings into play a whole realm of things that you've never gone through before. And it's a scary thing to go through. Don't let fear ruin your life. Don't be afraid of fear. You know that fear is there and you'll have some, but learn how to trust the Lord in the midst of your fear. And God will bless you. Take your Bible, look here in the book of John chapter 14. I was at a, uh, a funeral this afternoon, 
And I, uh, I shared with them a couple thoughts from the book of John, chapter 14. The first uh, six verses, but look in those verses with me. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because so many have a troubled heart. We do worry about things and be very concerned about things. Uh, we do wonder how things are going to work out. Uh, you can be worried about your job, your health, your, your home, uh, the kids, uh, the grandkids, your husband, your wife. Everybody has something that's uh, a problem. And we have to deal with all of these things. But he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, trust me. When he makes a statement in verse 2, in my father's house of many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, when he says, in my father's house of many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you, but why would he have to go prepare a place if he already has the mansion with many rooms in it? Like, I've already got it. One person brought it out. Says when I says, I go to prepare a place for you, they said it means I go to prepare a way for you. This is what I have, but I'm going to prepare a way for you. So he's going to go to the cross and prepare a way so that we can get to that mansion up there. Now, I don't know if that's what it means. It sounds good. I can't disprove it. But he did say just a little bit later, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he is all of these things, and he tells us not to be afraid. We're to look beyond this life at something that God has for us, and he says, just trust me, because we rob ourselves of a lot of peace and joy, stability, sound mind, by the things of the world, because of things that we cannot control. So anyway, just to keep that in mind, I want you to take your Bible and look in the book of Genesis, all the way back there to the book of Genesis and chapter 15. Genesis and chapter 15. The Lord had said to Abraham in verse 1, he says there in verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord, L-O-R-D caps, Jehovah, came unto Abram in a vision, saying, and here's those two words. See, whether it's in the first book of the Bible, the Gospel of John in the middle, or whether it's uh, in the book of Revelation, it doesn't matter. People of all ages have been afraid. We're afraid of being a failure. Sometimes we might be afraid of being a success. We don't know how we'd handle it. We're just not sure. That uncertainty causes uneasiness. Now, I do my best not to mock people who are honestly, genuinely afraid. I try to encourage them that in spite of the fear, going ahead and doing it with the fear, God will bless you for doing so. And it's amazing that when you get a little confidence, how the fear sometimes just goes away and you're not afraid anymore. I remember watching Dr. A. Ray Stanford for years. He says, the biggest fear in soul winning is getting started. Once you start, it don't, it's okay. It's just getting started. But look what he says, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. Now, wait a minute. When he says, I am thy shield, what's a shield for? It's protection. In other words, God says, 
Don't be afraid, Abraham. I am thy shield. I will protect you. I will protect you. Now, that ought to take and eliminate all of his fear, right? Well, isn't he my shield? Yeah. But do we still get afraid? Why do we have to so question and doubt the protection of God? But we do. Or the provision of God, but we do. Because we don't see how God's going to do something. But he says, I am thy shield. And, and look at the last part of it. Not so much that I'm going to get a reward someday, but he says, I am thy exceeding great reward. I am your reward. Did you know the lessons that you learn, what you go through, learning how to trust the Lord? God being revealed to you, manifested to you, is a great reward. The joy and the peace that it brings to you to know that you can go through life trusting him and that he will, but you've got to prove it. That's when you begin to rest, when you see successful past experiences. When you don't have any successful past experiences, then you're totally unsure. But when you walk with the Lord for a while and you've seen how God walked you through this one and walked through that one, your faith grows in the Lord and you're not as afraid. You still have little elements of fear, but you still go ahead and you do what God wants you to do. Look in Genesis and while we're here in chapter 26, Genesis chapter 26, Genesis 26 and look there in verse 24, verse 24. Here you're talking about Isaac. And he says in verse 24, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night. It says, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. You ought to underline those two little words. Fear not. You see, God has to tell every individual that comes along. Everyone that God wants to use, everyone that wants to serve God, God has to reassure you. Don't be afraid. I'll take care of you. Don't be afraid. Because we can't see God. And so there's a difference between faith and sight. You can live by sight or to live by faith. Some things you can see and other things you can't see. you got to take God's word at it. But look what he says. He makes a statement in verse 24. Fear not, for I am with thee. And look at the next few words. And will bless thee. Do you believe that if I fear God, God will bless me? If I fear God, he is my shield. He will protect me. You see, you must believe that. You see, but what if I do all of that and things seem to go all wrong? Where do I show you another verse? It'll knock your socks off. For the person who is afraid, really, really afraid, you ought to see what Jesus told his disciples. Now, you've seen it before, but not quite like this, I don't believe. But it is so very important. Take your Bible and turn there to the book of Exodus chapter 14. The book of Exodus and chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, and look in verse 13. The children of Israel, oh, a couple million of them maybe, and you realize the awesome job that Moses has got to do? He, he got to feed these people and 
Give them water, bed them down, keep them warm. So there was a fire. The hot blazing sun in the daytime. See, God didn't tell him in advance how God was going to take care of two to two and a half million people in the desert. He never told them. He never told them how he was going to lead them. In other words, this is progressive revelation. He's going to give him to them as it's needed. You ever heard in the military a phrase like, only those who have a right to know. And to sail with orders sealed until it's time to open the envelope to find out what is the command. What do we do now? And so God never told Moses in advance all the things that were going to happen. Moses had to go through it one at a time and deal with it one at a time. And so he says in verse 13, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. But that's because the Lord had to talk to Moses. And Moses is now talking to the people. And he says, fear ye not. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom we have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And you ought to underline verse 14. For the Lord shall fight for you. The Lord shall fight for you. Can you imagine if the Lord is going to fight for me? Can you see me losing? The Lord going to fight for you. Can you see or picture you losing when the Lord's going to fight for you? Get him, Lord. Do you think there's something or someone in this world that God can't handle? He's going to fight for you. In other words, you don't have to do the fighting. He'll do it for you. I think it's awesome. In verse 15, and the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel and tell them to go backwards. Forward. So how can we go forward? There's water. But God made a way. And you know the story. And God keeps his word and does everything just like he's supposed to. Now in Matthew chapter 28, where it says and gives us the great commission. It says, and lo, I am with thee always. Lo, I am with thee always. That's why there's one guy, he wouldn't get in an airplane. And the guy said, why can't you get in an airplane? He says, because I'm not going up there. Because I'm going to stay right here. He said, well, get up there. God can take care of you. He said, uh, uh. He says, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> not up there. Now, I ain't going up there. But, you know, there's always somebody that takes uh, Scripture out of context. Now, take your Bible and look in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Just turn to your right to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31, and look in verse 1. Verse 1. I want you to follow me down through verse 8, but look in verse 1. Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. He was having a birthday party. This day, my birthday. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. 
The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee. Now, look what, look what he's saying. He's saying God is going to go over before you, and God is going to destroy those nations. That sounds like a promise to me. Sounds like something that's money in the bank. They can count on this. But did they have questions and doubts and fears? <laughs> yeah, boy. And he says, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did in Sihon and the Og, king of Amorite. He said, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face. That ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. See, God doesn't command us to do something and then it be impossible to accomplish. Whatever it is God wants us to do, we can do. And verse 6, you ought to underline it in your Bible. Be strong and of a good courage. It's almost like reading in the book of Joshua in chapter 1, verse 7, 8, and 9, where it says, Be strong and of a good courage. And here's those two words, fear not, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. And you ought to underline this phrase. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Do you realize it's one thing to trust Christ as your Savior and have eternal life? No, you're going to heaven to die. But you see, if you don't get strong in the Lord and understand these things, did you know the devil can have a heyday with you and you won't be winning souls and you won't be going to church and you're going to have a miserable life. You will not be a victorious Christian all because you maybe don't learn all these other things that God has to tell about. You see, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is a great verse. 1 John 5, 13 is a great verse. John 3, 16 is a great verse, but that's only three verses. They're not on every page, and they're not in every verse. How much of this book do you think God wants us to know? How much do you think God wants us to study? Is it only those salvation verses? Or do you think that God wants us to put on the whole armor of God, to know the Word of God? Because, you see, you can be saved and know some salvation verses, but if you're not strong in the other areas of your life, Satan will destroy you, and you won't be doing anything with your Christian life. You won't be strong. There's a lot of people who've trusted Christ as Savior sitting on the bench, never doing a thing for the Lord for the rest of their life because they don't study the Word of God. Because they think, well, I don't need all of that. I don't need all of that. Then why did God write it? Why would he say in the book of Romans to study the Old Testament because he makes the statement that these things were written aforetime for our learning, that we may find out the things of God and how God works and understand the God of peace and the God of love and the God of hope and the God of joy. Because that's why he always talks about as it is written, as it is written. And all of those verses are not salvation verses. You can be strong and on the clarity of the gospel, but be weak in your spiritual life, and you won't amount to a hill of beans for God. You're going to burn out. You won't last because you don't have the strength. There's joy in the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is your strength because of all these other things that you have to face. And there's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations in life. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9 ain't going to solve that problem. You got to know other verses that will help you to be strong. And nobody can do this for you. You must believe it. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath swore unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. That sounds like pretty good encouragement talk, don't it? Why does he keep having to say, fear not? Because we are afraid. Because it's not the natural thing for us to just trust. Your new birth, yes, but you still got an old one to deal with. And that old nature that you have is always working against you, trying to get you to question and doubt God. So you don't want to fear fear itself. Look there in Isaiah 41, Isaiah in chapter 41. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. It's similar to what we were already looking at, but it's important to, to see these verses. Look what he says in verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. You know, it seems like all the time he's always saying, you know, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm your shield. I'm protect you. I will do this. I will. I will. God says, you say, well, I can't see you, God. Where are you at? It's not a matter of you trying to figure out what God is. It God knows where you are. That's better. And you don't have to see God. God can see you. That's better. And just walk with him and trust him that he'll do what he says. For I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So you have the verses in the Bible, and uh, they're supposed to be able to sustain us, as God says in his word. Uh, look in Psalms 55. Psalms 55, just quick glance back there at Psalms 55. And look there in verse 22. Now, this is a good verse that you should underline. It kind of reminds you of the book in Peter in chapter 5 and about the old devil that's always after you, you know. And the Lord says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. See there in verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall, what? He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He won't permit it. If you will trust him and walk with him, you will stand. You see, as a Christian, you don't have to fall apart. You don't have to. The Bible tells in the book of Peter, he says, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. You see, falling is a choice, and you don't have to fall. You can keep serving God all the days of your life, but you got to trust him and lean on him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That means thank God. Acknowledge him. And he might direct thy paths. He shall direct thy path. He says, well, how do I know if I'm, what if I'm on the wrong road? Well, can God direct you and get you back to wherever you want, you're supposed to be? 
Trust the Lord. You see, I don't have to worry about trying to make every perfect decision because I'm not perfect. I have an old sinful nature, and sometimes it gets in the way. But I trust the Lord to guide me in the midst because I know that he knows me. And he knows my heart. He knows my motive. And I'm going to trust him to correct my path. When I make an error in judgment, I believe he'll straighten me out. I believe he can move and work in my life. I trust him to do what I can't do. And this is why the Bible talks about in the book of Romans in chapter 8, where the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Now, you can intercede for a lot of people. The Holy Spirit can intercede to God on our behalf. But there's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So keep that in mind. But in this verse, I love it because it says, And he shall sustain thee. Cast my burden upon Do you have a burden? Do you have a problem? Something bothering you? Cast it on the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He says, that means he's going to automatically solve all of my problems? They didn't say that. He's just going to sustain you in the midst of the problem and get you through it. But now, what if it doesn't always work that way? Well, I know. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Remember that beautiful little verse over there we looked at last week? I want you to look at it one more time. Hebrews in chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13, where he makes a statement in verse 5, let your behavior or conversation, manner of life, be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I, and this is the part you need to underline, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we read the verse in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 about coming boldly to the throne of grace that you may get all the help you need in the time of need. God wants us to do this. God is up in heaven just waiting for his children to come to him. You'd be surprised what God has done to get your attention. Did you know that the hurt, the longing, the love that you have for somebody? Do you ever know what it's really like to feel rejected and lonely? How do you think God feels? And there's a God in heaven that's doing everything he knows how. And he's God to get us to walk with him, just to get us to talk to him. I wonder how God feels. We always think about how we feel. Nobody knows how I feel. Well, do you know how God feels when we won't go to him and cast our troubles upon him and let him lead and guide, let him provide? And we worry ourselves all the time because we don't know how God's going to do it. So we very easily fall out of faith and into sight. But here in Hebrews, in verse 6, I want you to look in verse 6. Uh, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Can you really say, I am not afraid of what man can do unto me? Careful. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 10. Look in chapter 10. I showed you this one time. Three times where Jesus had told his disciples to fear not. See there in verse 26? Fear not. See that in verse 28? Fear not. See that in verse 31? 
Fear not. I wonder why he has to say this over and over and over again. You know who he's talking to? His disciples. You know what he just told them? Well, it's over there in verse 1 of chapter 10 where he made the statement, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power, power over unclean spirits, power to cast them out, power to heal all manner of diseases. And he says, Now I'm not sending to the Gentiles, only to the house of Israel. He says, And when you go, if they won't receive you, he says, uh, You just kind of shake the dust off your feet. Judgment against them. You ever seen a Jehovah's Witnesses do that outside your house? And they think that that's referring to them. Boy, have they got it mixed up. But he says, now, as you do this and as you go, you see there in verse 14, whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. So it didn't matter who you talked to or where you went. But wherever you go, whoever you talk to, if they do this, you do this. So, see, you and I, we trust the Lord to lead us as we go. But if you wait until the Holy Spirit tells you to go, you'll probably wait forever. But you trust the Lord to open up opportunities as you go. You see, there's no sense trying to steer a car when the motor's not running, when it's not going anywhere. When little Johnny gets up behind the wheel, Johnny, shut that noise up. I love sound effects. But they didn't go nowhere. Didn't do anything. And a lot of Christians are just playing at the wheel, hitting the horn and hitting the brake, but the motor's not running. They're doing all the things that looks like you're driving a car. You're really getting somewhere. But the motor isn't running. And there's Christians that are not doing anything. They're not going anywhere. Lord, I want you to lead God and direct. And they never do a thing. If God ever did lead God and direct them, they wouldn't have a clue. It's like going into a grocery store and walking up to the manager. I want some groceries. Well, they got them on those aisles. You go up and down the aisle and you pick out what you want. When it comes to prayer, Lord, just bless me. Pacific, tell him what you want. What do you really want? The Bible talks about open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Tell God what you want. If you think you really ought to have it, then you don't let God go until you get it. And keep at it and keep at it and keep praying. Knock and keep knocking and it shall be opened. Ask and keep asking and it shall be given. Seek and keep seeking and ye shall find. Well, I asked him one time 20 years ago. Now, there's a story in the Bible about a person who went to see a judge. And the judge says because of her persistence antagonizing me. I finally gave in and gave to her. And Christ is the one that told the story about what you and I ought to do. You see, we quit too soon instead of talking to the Lord. Do you know there's been times in my life when I have talked to the Lord all night long. I couldn't sleep and I'd cry half the night because there's things that I had to get 
and that I didn't know what I was going to do. And the Lord was real to me. But I knew that what I needed was beyond my ability to provide or perform. And I needed a miracle. I needed God to do something. There hasn't been a, a lot of those, but I've had a few of them. You know, Elijah didn't have a miracle every day. He had seven. Elijah didn't have one every day, but he had 14. How many of you had lately? What have you asked God specifically for and God do it? And you knew it had to be God. I want you to look at this now. He says there in uh, verse 26, fear not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. So you and I are not supposed to be afraid of what somebody says or calls us and so on. And now in verse 28, and fear not them. Uh, hmm. Look at this. Fear not them which kill the body. Now, I have trouble with this one. So now, Lord, are you sure you got this right? Maybe it's not worded right. Maybe in the Hebrew and the Greek, it means something else. But look what it says. Fear not them which have the power, the ability to kill you. Oh, wait a minute, God. Um, if somebody wants to kill me, aren't you supposed to be my shield and my protector and they can't do that to me? Did you know that God may allow someone to kill you? Are you saying that nobody can take a gun and put it to your head and pull a trigger and take you out of this life? Are you trying to say that you don't believe that you could die in a car wreck because somebody else did something stupid or foolishly? You most certainly can. Do we have military young men that go over there to Iraq or Iran and Pakistan or wherever, and many of them die? They can die. But we're not to fear those that can take your life. But look at the last part of the verse. Fear him that can kill both body and soul. You see, the one that can send you to hell is somebody to really fear than the man who can just take my body. There has been over the years multitude of God's people that have died for their faith because they believe what God's word says. And when they had to declare it's either King Jesus or King Caesar, and knowing to say that King Jesus is king would mean they would be thrown to the lions. They'd be ripped to shreds. And yet they were told, I am with thee. I will not fail thee. You see, it's the faith that you have in the Lord. It's not all this other stuff that's more important. What you need is always your trust in the Lord. Like the three Hebrew children, it says, O king... We want you to understand that whether our God delivers us or not, we want you to know we will not bow. And they believed that God would sustain them until death. Now, they could die in the lion's den. They could die in the fiery furnace. It didn't matter. It's that can you trust the Lord to sustain you until you're no longer here? It doesn't matter how we die, when we die. It's just that you have your trust in the Lord until you die. That's more important. Take your Bible and turn to the one verse that I want to show you. 
you've probably never seen this chapter before, but called the 23rd Psalm. 23rd Psalm. And look what he says here. In the 23rd Psalm, this is on page 609, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Want for what if he's your shepherd? Isn't it the shepherd's responsibility to take care of the sheep? Hmm? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's for my refreshment. And when he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, that's because he's beneath me. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, well, it's because it's not a program and it's not the church. It's not the pastor. He's the shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul because he is with me. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. See, at no time as you read any of these verses has the Lord forgotten who you are. The Lord hasn't forgotten his role. He hasn't forgotten his promises. And we are like sheep. All sheep have gone astray. And he says in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, always under the threat of death, living in this world, as I mentioned one time before, in chapter 22 you have Mount Calvary where Christ was crucified. In chapter 24 you have Mount Zion where Christ is going to come back and rule. Those are two mountain peaks. And now we're in the valley between the cross and the glory. And as you and I live in this period of time, yea, though we walk through this valley where we're subject to death, he says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And those are the things that we use to protect us and to meet our needs. All these things, he said he would do for us. He says, for thou art with me, thy rod, thy staff, thy protection, thy supplies, staff of bread. There's so many things you can get out of this. But anyway, he says in verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have food to eat that the world does not know about. You remember when Christ and his disciples in the fourth chapter of the gospel of John, where they went off into town and to get something to eat, and he was there talking to the woman at the well. And they came back and says, are you hungry? He says, no. He says, I got meat to eat that you know not of. Where there's something that satisfies me more than the natural food. And they thought somebody didn't got him something to eat. But he was talking about another world that they did not understand at the time. He says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, not the absence of the enemies. See, you and I, we serve the Lord with the lions all around us. Sometimes in this life, we picture ourselves as though we were Daniel thrown into the lion's den. I had some occasion in my life to feel like I have been thrown into the lion's den. And sometimes those lion's den seems like it was a, it was a board meeting. You know, you can go to board meetings sometime and it seems like 
It's like I got sick one time and I got this here get well card from the deacon board. And it says five, four, and four against. But get this. He says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Uh, I wanted you to see that one little phrase up here in verse 4. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. I wonder who said that. Who said that? You see, God used David to write this. Did you know there was always somebody trying to kill David? Just seemed like they just never let up. I bet whenever he was just a little kid and he found out that he had been anointed to be the king of Israel. And then here's this guy that's the king trying his best to kill him. So, Lord, I don't know how you're going to work this out or when you're going to work this out. But it seems like there's no end to it. He was always running and hiding. But God was protecting him. Don't you think there were some mighty down days in that man's life? Knowing that he had done nothing wrong, and yet he had to run for his life. And it seemed like all those that were against him, nothing working out, living out in the middle of a desert, running and hiding. But no, at the same time, God brought to him all the other vagabonds that didn't have anything to live for, all the rejects, the misfits, the all kind of gathered around poor old David. And David became a, a leader of an army. God used those mighty men later. Great stories. I love them. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew where he was going, but he also knew that he was in the valley of the shadow of death. He knew that the enemy was always present. And there was good reason to be afraid. But he said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Well, that's good enough for David. Is that good enough for us? So anyway, God is good to us. He really is. But we don't have to live our lives in fear. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. And the Bible says for us to pay for that sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But he wants us to go to heaven. But you see, to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. We've, we've all sinned. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says you can't save yourself. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. So, well, how can I get to heaven? Got some good news for you. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. You see, God loved us so much, he sent his son. And his son came into this world and lived a perfect life, had no reason to die. But because God loved us, God allowed his son to take our sins and pay for them on the cross and come back from the dead. So he died for us. And God said if we'd believe he did it for us, he would put the payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Best news in all the world. So if you're here tonight, let me encourage you. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, trust Him. Do it now. Let's pray, shall we? If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now?
All that means is you're going to take him at his word that he died and paid for all of your sins. And you're going to accept that death payment he made as yours. And God says if you'll believe he did it for you, then he would give to you as a free gift everlasting life. And you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Not because of any good thing you've ever done or ever will do. It's because he loves you that much. He offers it to you as a gift. And if you trust him as your savior, he saves you and gives you the free gift. So is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And preacher, I will accept Jesus Christ right now as my savior. Friend, if you're doing that, I'd like to know. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting, you say, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Our Father, we thank you so much for your word you've given us. Lord, we're people that have limitations. We can't see everything. We don't know everything. Your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. So much we don't understand. We're in the dark about so much, yet you want us to walk by faith day by day, moment by moment, trusting you where we cannot see, walking on water where we cannot see other steps, where it leaves no trace. And Father, we just pray that you'd help each one of us to look to you and to walk with you, believing that because you're God, you are our shield, our protector, that you'll never forsake us that you'll always be with us, low unto the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord, so much for your word you've given us. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.